0: Amen. Thank you so much, Chuck and Taryn. It is a pleasure to be here. Uh, Really excited this morning. We're continuing in our Growing Up series. And really, in this series, we're wanting to ask the question, what does it mean to be journeying towards maturity as a Christian? So this morning, we're going to be in James chapter 1. So find that in your Bibles at home, either a physical Bible or download uh, a Bible app as well. Um, Just while you're finding that, I thought we'd kick off with this. Two cans. I know in the blether that Chuck mentioned uh, chocolate spread that shall not be named. This isn't a sponsorship moment, but we have these two cans here. And for all intents and purposes, they look exactly the same. There's no difference between them. But what I'm going to do now is I'm going to hold these two cans and I'm going to squeeze them. I'm going to apply the same pressure to each one and we'll see what happens. So here we go. Oh, my God. Gosh, how does he do it? And if you check your left pocket now, you'll find the 3 of diamonds was there all along. Amazing. So, even though these cans look the same on the surface, they look the same on the outside, this one is still standing. And I can apply as much pressure as I want to this first can, but it's not buckling. The difference is that this first can has been filled, that it's full of something, whereas this can isn't. So, Today, we're talking about what does it mean to have resilient faith? And for me, that's a helpful picture, those two cans of what that looks like. To be full of faith as God intends us to be doesn't mean that we're invulnerable, but what it does mean is that it can help us stand up to the pressures and challenges in life that we all face. So really simply, we want to ask today, what does it it look like to live like can number one? How do we do that? So we're going to be looking at James, chapter one, verses two to four. How can we be sure that we're growing full of faith and filled like that can? So, James one, two to four. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that pers- sorry, you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything amen Wow, there is a lot in those words there's a lot of challenge there and we're going to unpack that and unpick it as we go so how can we be like can number one what does it look like to have a resilient faith firstly a resilient faith is a faith that we actively own Right, I might be completely alone in this and I'm fully able to embrace the fact that I may maybe a bit sad, but I love packages coming in the post. I love opening parcels, right? I've got a yes in the room. Brilliant. It's not just me. I love it. Like. I know that Amazon, is, Amazon Prime is here and it's kind of a routine thing to get deliveries, but just the, 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 the ritual of taking the box and taking the tab off and digging in and then bringing up the thing that you've ordered. It's like, yes, I've got it. Thank you that you're with me, Julie. I'm getting a lot of yeses here. But I want you, I want you to imagine a scenario, right, where somebody orders something really good. Let's say it's um, like, a, like a new phone that everybody is, is talking about, like a must-have phone. And they order this thing. It's really good. They've saved up for it. And then the doorbell goes. The delivery person's there. They hand over the box. And this person goes, thanks very much, takes the box, and then puts it down in their hall, walks away, and never opens it. Now, for me, who loves opening boxes, I can't imagine anything more terrifying. But just imagine that scenario, right? What are they doing? A couple of weeks later, they're chatting to their friends. Everyone's talking about this new must-have phone. And then they go, yeah, I've got one of those. And you'd be thinking, well, yeah, you do. Like, but it's sat in your hallway. It's, it's sealed up. It might technically be yours, but you're not getting any of the benefit of having it. It's only when you rip off the packaging and peel off the cellophane and start to use it that you're really owning it. That phone was made to be unboxed and used daily, just like our faith. So in verse 3, James says this, The testing of your faith produces perseverance. And there's a really simple truth. It's your faith. You know, when we look at those two words, your faith, I looked it up in the Greek and and it says this. The original Greek is Hymaeus piastes, And guess what that means from the original Greek? Your faith. It's exactly the same. There's nothing more there. But like every translation I've looked at under the sun, it says the same thing. Your faith is a personal thing. This might seem like a really obvious thing to say. But I think sometimes we can forget what a powerful thing it is to have our own faith, our ownership over my faith. When we give our lives to Jesus, when we say our yes to him and start to follow him, it's like that faith arrives new, boxed on our doorstep with our name on it, no one else's. We know that it's so essential for us to grow our faith in the community of the church. As well as that, Our walk with Jesus is not about the faith of those around us, our peers, parents, partners, our pastors. It's personal. It's your faith. It's my faith. We have been handed that box. And the sense I get from reading these verses today is that for James, having faith is about taking this active ownership of it. The first step in having a faith that is resilient is tearing off the packaging peeling off the cellophane and using it. And you might be thinking, well, what does that actually mean? Like practically, how do I actively own my faith? Sounds good, but what am I supposed to do with that? One of the great things about James is that it's such a practical book. You know, he maps out so many different ways that our faith is lived out in normal everyday life. You know, our faith can be formed in the struggles that we go through. It's displayed in how willing we are to accept correction from others. It's revealed in the words that we use, how we help those around us in need and how we rely on the Lord in prayer, how we look out for the spiritual well-being of our brothers and sisters, our church family. You know, the list goes on. I'm not sure there's an area of life that wouldn't be positively impacted by an active faith. It just reaches everything. And the picture here from James is this is what normal faith looks like. It's owned and it's lived out. It's one that influences our actions and character. And as we're talking about what it means to have a faith that's resilient, we have to start here in this place and ask ourselves, when it comes to my faith, is it active? Is it being used? I can think of so many people in our church family that just model this so well you know that the, these people where there's like this fusion between their love of Jesus and the faith that they have and then that just outworks itself in their actions and in the way that they are it's like this this posture in every circumstance I'm leaning in towards humility and encouragement blessing others meeting needs and in prayer I don't know about you but I see challenge in there for me. You know, I I think a great thing we can do if we identify these people is get around them. I know COVID's making that tricky, but in whatever way we can, get around them, get on a Zoom call, chat to these people, be like, do you know what? I see something in you that I want. You're modeling something that I want in my life. That's what we need to do. I don't want to be passive. I want to be active in owning my faith and let my love for Jesus be the driving force. Behind what I do. Because we could say, I said, I said my yes to Jesus, I gave my life to him, I have a faith. But is it sitting boxed up in the hall, like the phone a little bit, waiting to be used? Or is there an active ownership with it in our lives? And right now for some of us, we might feel just hear in James's words that, that we don't measure up, that maybe our faith isn't in the place that we want it to be. But this isn't guilt trip time. This is, this is an invitation to take active ownership, to discover or, or rediscover the beauty of having an active faith. This leads us to all the stuff that James talks about in this book, that when we choose humility, it opens our eyes to, to see more than just ourselves. When we choose to help other people in that moment, we are being Jesus' hands and feet. When we rely on the Lord with prayer, we experience a strength that is supernatural and a foundation to build our lives on. This is good stuff that is available and open to all of us. It's not about making us feel bad. It's not about, oh, this is where you've missed the mark. It's saying, don't miss out. Don't miss out on what God has for you. Open the box. Let your faith come alive. It's deeply wonderful, deeply personal, and deeply messy sometimes when it's lived out, but it is your faith. What does owning it look like? Don't miss out, take it out of the box. So a resilient faith, it's one that we actively own. And it's also a faith that's been grown. Verse two says this, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Now, pure joy, that's a big thing to say. Like, that goes way beyond always look on the bright side of life or every cloud has a silver lining. Consider it pure joy when you go through trials of many kinds. I'm trying to picture pure joy when you get a flat tire or when you fail a test at school, or when you have to ring the plumber because a pipe's burst in your house. It's just like, pure joy? Are you serious? Like, what? Like, when is that our reaction? It's not the natural response in those moments. And even though those are stressful situations, they're mostly just inconvenient. But when we start to move into more serious trials and storms that we can face, like job loss, financial instability, isolation health issues or losing a loved one and we hear the words consider it pure joy that's tough I've got to be honest reading those words felt hard because I was thinking what are you trying to say Lord my deepest pain is supposed to be pure joy what's going on here James isn't saying that we're to delight in painful circumstances themselves, but what he is saying is that even in these dark moments, as followers of Jesus, there's a reason we can choose joy. Because God and his wisdom and his power can actually bring purpose out of our pain. The rubbish we have to face, the sludge that the enemy throws at us, God can take that and turn it around for our good it can use these things to accelerate our growth and build up in us a resilient faith a really helpful picture i heard was that pain and suffering can be like fertilizer for our faith and i think that's such a helpful picture because you know when you think about fertilizer what is it like it's waste it's sewage it's it's horrible it's something we want to avoid a lot like suffering and yet when you put the soil next to a plant what happens it's like There's this incredible growth and fruitfulness. Just ask Julie. She knows all about that. What does this fertilizer look like applied to our faith? Verse 3 says this, The testing of your faith produces perseverance. And that word test or testing might sound negative to us. It might sound like God is holding a clipboard and standing over our shoulders and waiting for us to make a mistake to see if we'll pass or fail. But instead, testing moments actually reveal to us what shape our faith is in. It's like if, you, if you're hanging a shelf in your house and then you, you, know, you secure it to the wall, you don't just go and get loads of heavy things and pile them on the shelf. Like you, take, you maybe take your hand and just put a little bit of pressure on and just see, is there any give here? And if it feels okay, you put like a little bit more pressure on. You think, no, that's firm. That's in place. That's solid. It's not going anywhere. The thing is, it's the same with our faith. If we're never under pressure, we'll never know what we have. We'll never know what shape our faith is in. And the message version puts it like this. Under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. I love that. I think that's so helpful because rather than testing being this negative thing, it's actually a really helpful thing because it reveals what's going on in your faith. It highlights where we might be a bit shaky. It refines us and it reveals where we've got a solid foundation. So how else is suffering like fertilizer for our faith? Well, James says testing of our faith produces perseverance. I've chatted to loads of people who've started uh, running in lockdown and um that I've just heard the same things over and over again. It's like the more I'm running, the more I'm getting into it, I'm actually starting to really enjoy it. There's a bit of joy in this. And they'll say things like, I never thought I could run this far or this fast, or I'm starting to lose weight, or I feel like I've got loads more energy now. This idea of resistance training builds endurance. And when we start to build endurance in our faith, we feel benefit in the same way as that. When we go through something that's hard and we choose to lean on Jesus, we choose to trust in Him, we discover in that moment that we can depend on Him for the strength to get through. And then next time something hard happens, we'll quickly go to that place again because we know by experience that He is who He says He is and He's not going to leave us. So we gain confidence, not in our own resilience we think we have or our own brilliance, but in the perfect faithfulness of Jesus in every situation. That's what resilient faith looks like. Knowing that and living it out. And so suffering acts like fertilizer for a faith because it tests it, it builds endurance. And then finally in verse four, it says this, let perseverance finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. All of this testing of our faith and increasing endurance and perseverance is building towards something wonderful. It's being mature and complete, not lacking in anything. And, and this idea of completeness, not lacking in anything, is, is becoming more and more like God, imitating Him more in how we think and what we say and do. Jesus commands us in Matthew 5, 48, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And I think this is the journey that God takes us on towards completeness. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, a cocoon or chrysalis, I think is the, the proper term, but where a caterpillar, I'm just going to keep saying cocoon because chrysalis is too confusing, but a caterpillar is building a cocoon, right? And a uh, it's going to turn into a butterfly. It takes about two weeks where internally that process is happening. And then there's a moment where the butterfly has to emerge, right? And there's, there's a tiny little gap in the bottom of the cocoon. And it's, it's so small. And the butterfly has to, like, force its way through. It has to edge through millimeter by millimeter painstakingly to get out. Now, you might walk by that and think, oh, what a shame. I'll help out and, and just make that hole a little bit wider and think, oh, that's a nice thing to do. But actually, that would be the worst thing we could do because that butterfly's struggle to get through that small opening is so crucial because it forces fluid that's sitting in its body into the wings. And it's only when that fluid is forced to the right places that the wings can fully expand, they can strengthen, and they can work as they're supposed to. So if we were to to help that butterfly in that moment and remove that obstacle, what would happen? It would fall out of the cocoon with underdeveloped wings that could never grow and it would never fly. Without that struggle, it would never fully become what it was created to be. To remove all obstacles, it might seem like the loving approach, but actually it's because God loves us so much that he allows us to go through hard things sometimes because they will ultimately produce growth in our lives. And so as we choose time and time again to trust in God and to rely on him in difficulties, difficulties, and we let perseverance finish its work in us, the end result is he brings us to completeness, to a new level of wholeness. We're returning to the original blueprint he had in mind when he created each one of us. And this is a lifelong Process of becoming whole. We're not going to see the fullest extent of it until we reach eternity. But right now, God wants to take each one of us on a journey where he can chip away the stuff that needs to go and build in the stuff that needs to be there, refining the gold in us, uncovering bit by bit by bit who he made us to be. None of this stuff is easy. And there's days when I ask Why, Lord? Why are you letting me experience this painful situation? And that's okay to ask that question. The Lord understands that. But at the same time, I want to move from that that question of, of why, Lord, but to what, Lord? What is it you're doing in this moment? What are you doing in me? What new thing are you bringing out of me to take me to that picture of completeness? We all know that we're going to face hard times. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. We're all going to experience suffering. And you know what? If I'm going to experience suffering, I don't want to waste it. I want to hand that over to God and say, God, would you use this? What are you doing in me in this moment? What are you calling me to shed? What are the things that have been weighing me down, holding me back? What are the sinful patterns in my life that you're wanting to remove from me in this moment? And I think the father just loves it when we do this, when we embrace this process and say yes to him, when we trust him, even though it's hard. And I believe in these moments, he wants to say to us, I love you, son. I love you, daughter. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of the way that you keep going. I'm with you. I'm not going to leave you. See, I am doing a new thing in you. Isn't God good? Isn't, isn't he kind that even in our pain that he would use what the enemy means for evil and he turns it for good? There's no shortcuts in our pain, no easy answers, but there's Jesus. His face is always towards us and meets us in our deepest pain. Because of who he is, he can bring us peace and joy. It's not an easy thing, but he is with us. I'm just going to finish with this. Um, One of our amazing young people was sharing uh, this week in youth about some just tough things that she was going through, um, physical um, and mental health issues that she's had for a long period of time. And she was just being really open. She was speaking about the frustration of, God, I know that you can heal. I know that you could take this away from me. and, and, And yet I'm not seeing that. I'm not seeing this breakthrough. And then in the same breath, she started to talk about how she was choosing to worship him anyway and still believe in his goodness. And as we started praying at the end, she read out part of this psalm over us. No one told her to read a psalm, but she just started to do it. And I just believe that this might be a prophetic moment for some of us right now who are going through the mill. Maybe we can make this our prayer. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. So this resilient faith, this can number one, if you like, that we're going for, it's, it's made when we actively own our faith and when we're intentionally leaning in to growth in the middle of suffering. And just, just to kind of go back to these cans, just maybe you feel right now a little bit like this. Maybe you feel that just life and the things that you're going through, it just, it's just feels like it's crushing you. Psalm 34 verse 18 says this, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And we just want to take just a minute just, just to pray into this. Maybe this is you today. You're feeling like, Lord, how, how could you change this? How could you redeem this? you know, we follow a God who's in the business of fixing broken people. And so why don't we just invite him right now to come. Lord, wherever we are right now, whatever's going on, we just choose to take this moment to invite you to meet with us, God. Lord, would you fill us with your love Would you fill us with your affirmation? Would you pour in strength and resilience to us right now?